Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside, of course, the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And I say, of course, because I messaged Frank during this game asking whether he was going to be free to podcast tonight. And he said, I'm pretty sure it's in the contract when Giannis has a big game. I have to podcast. Giannis did have a big game. The Bucks picked up uh, maybe harder than should have been 125-115 win. But the bonus with this game hanging around and being closer for longer meant that Giannis was able to pad the stats a little bit, Frank, and you've got to be happy with that. Love me some Giannis back box score <laughs> stuffing games. Um, and this, I mean, this this kind of felt like more of a throwback type of Bucks win. Um, I mean, obviously Giannis doesn't normally have 43 points, but, uh, you know, we, we've been talking a bit about obviously the the three-point shooting the Bucks have had to start the season coming into this game at, at 44%. And I mean, they weren't off by much. It didn't feel like they were <laughs> shooting well for much of this game. They started off pretty slow, but they finished 14 out of 34, which is 41%, nothing to shake a stick at. But uh, the way they won this game obviously was with Giannis dominating inside, getting whatever he wanted and points in the paint. Uh, last three games, they have not had more than 36 points in the paint in any of those games. And I, I think that's something that I was looking at because, of course, Bucks are not going to shoot 44% from three forever. So there's, there's a mean regression that will be coming for their three-point shooting. Uh, I don't know how much of a mean regression. Hopefully it's not to 35%. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if they could stay in the high 30s or something, right? I don't know. Don't get greedy. Um, <laughs> But the flip side of that was they, they really have not had much going inside. We've obviously talked about Giannis and, and some of his struggles kind of getting on track and maybe not so much his interior game. Certainly his post, you know, his post game has not been where we wanted it. Uh, his mid range game hasn't been where we wanted it. Uh, but tonight uh, to, to take a 62 to 42 paint advantage, 19 to nine fast break advantage. Uh, we talked obviously last year, a lot about the bucks being able to weather opponents, shooting well from three and tonight Detroit did that. I mean, 17 out of 40 is certainly a number that I think for the Pistons, you'd be, would have been very happy to hit 17 threes a night and feel like you have a shot, especially when they only had 19 turnovers as well. So they took care of the ball, hit their threes, but ultimately bucks did kind of bucks stuff. They, they won the, the trenches with those paint points. They made enough threes themselves defensive rebounded very well 88 percent defensive rebound rate and uh at the end of the day obviously the the math worked in their favor and, and even a hot shooting night from a number of pistons was was not enough to to ultimately uh see them have a chance to win even though obviously they kept it closer than uh, certainly probably many bucks fans would have liked but uh, i guess yeah the upside was <laughs> we got to see the starters uh maybe log some extra minutes and, and maybe pad those point totals a little bit 
Yeah, the Bucks only winning by 10 points. That really puts a dent in the average winning margin so far for this season. They are above 500, which I guess is noteworthy. Four and three on the season. So first time this year they climb above uh, 500 and win back-to-back games. Uh, the efficiency for Giannis was something we spoke about early in the season. Uh, yesterday on the podcast, I mentioned his numbers. He was 71% in the restricted area before this game. So when he gets there, he was still scoring at an efficient rate, but it was anywhere else. Uh, that he was really struggling. So as you pointed to, 17 for 24 and 2 and 6 on on 3. So 15 for 18 uh, from two-point range and a, a pretty tidy 7 for 9 from the free-throw line as well. And it was interesting that you pointed out the three-point shooting because, uh, like you said, they finished 41%, 14 for 34. They actually missed their first five. And this was when Giannis was really keeping the team afloat. And this is why I think, as you pointed to, this felt like sort of old school bucks because even though uh, the three-point shot wasn't falling, they were able to withstand that because Giannis was treating the Pistons like uh, children, which we've seen from time to time. He was getting whatever the hell he wanted. He was getting to the foul line. He was scoring regardless of whether the whistle came. And eventually... Uh, the Pistons tried to tighten up the paint a little bit and then the Bucks got free with wide open looks and they shoot basically 50% for the rest of the way from three. And that's going to be the fascinating decision that teams have to make. I still think when push comes to shove, they're going to say, well, we're going to put everyone in front of Giannis and you're going to have to knock down those shots. But again, at least for another night, the three-point shooters for the Bucks did stand up in this one. And again, it's just funny to look at the, the some of the other scoring that you've got outside of the Giannis domination because you only get 20 shots combined out of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, but they still put up uh, an efficient 34 points between them. And then Bobby Portis and Bryn Forbes are in double digits off the bench and DJ Augustine shooting the ball well, three for three from the outside as well. So it's kind of uh, the, the first game that we've seen in this fashion where Giannis is the dominant force and the other guys just sort of play that bit role. We haven't seen that so much to this point. But again, it's another way uh, that this team is going to be able to beat, uh, let's say, mostly inferior opposition. Because on this night, even though uh, the game was closer than you would have liked it, again, it felt like the Bucks didn't really have to get out of second gear. Right, let's talk about our sponsors over at betonline.ag. Now, Frank, uh, you know... Uh, we had the, the points line for Giannis, which was at 29.5. That's what we said. Uh, maybe you could check out what they have over at betonline.ag as far as the Bucks and the NBA go because we know there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust when it comes to sports betting. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. We've got NFL playoffs coming up. Uh, There's college basketball out there, and obviously the NBA is rolling. So there's plenty to get involved with here. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Twenty twenty is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. And another thing that felt like uh, more of a vintage Bucks performance was that I thought Brook Lopez. Uh, rim defense uh, at times you had a couple blocks tonight and and felt like there were just you know we, we felt like more of a vintage brook sort of suffocating the paint type type 
performance. Uh, and, and so that was, that was obviously nice to see uh, from Brooke as well, just given obviously some of the, the talking points that we've had around his start to the year. Um, so, so all around, yeah, just, just some, some good positives. And I think just for context, if people are curious, I was just looking this up. Um, I think last year Giannis was per NBA.com's uh, numbers, at least around 74% or so in the restricted area, 40, uh, 38% non-paint restricted area. So I mm-hmm. see those little, you know, kind of hook shot, short jump shot range in the paint, uh, 38% on mid-rangers. And this year so far, he's 76% in the restricted area. So actually he's better than last year. Uh, 41% in the paint non-restricted area, which kind of surprised me, but uh, I'll get to that in a moment. There were three three plays in the second quarter that I thought were kind of my favorite plays. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily the flashiest plays, but but were in the you know non non-restricted area paint zone, which I think we obviously talk a lot about as being an area where if he's going to really be effective, especially against teams that can load up the paint more, those are you know types of areas that that are important to be from. And then mid-range, he certainly has not found his his shooting touch there yet, 33%, 5 out of 15. So, uh, you know, if you look at it strictly from those sort of broad buckets, restricted area, paint, non-restricted area, and mid-range, uh, actually better in the restricted area and, and paint, non-restricted area so far than than last year. Um, mid-range, not quite there yet. And, of course, three-point stroke is is obviously still also, you know, not, not there. He hit two out of six tonight. He's at... 26% for the season now. So certainly not uh, letting the world on fire from three, but the, the three, the three plays, I think I'll just highlight real quick that, that I really liked. And, you know, we should say it, this felt different. I think this was his first, first time all season that he's had double digits in the first quarter. And it's interesting. Mason Plumley is a good athlete, but man, he seemed like a pylon out there tonight, tonight for Giannis. Giannis just had no problems going uh, around him, over him, Euro-stepping past him. Uh, it, w- it was kind of fun to see Giannis actually having room to just attack people one-on-one with, with a head of steam rather than facing, you know, multiple bodies that, that kind of can, could, could wall him off a bit. Uh, but in that second quarter, there, there were back-to-back possessions where I think the, the Pistons were trying to give a little bit of a zone look. And Giannis sliced, he, 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 he went right to the, uh, foul line to create, can create an angle, passing angle for whoever, I forget, you know, who, whoever passed him the ball in those two plays. And the first one, he kind of took a step towards the basket and ends up then doing one of those, you know, the, the, the Dirk one footed fadeaway, but you know, it's like a 10 foot shot. Right. And, you know, especially when you're straight on, you know, you put it up there, he has that high release. He's not, you know, putting a lot of, putting a lot of power behind it. So he can get the the bounce if it goes off the front iron and hit didn't didn't hit an iron just swished it right over Plumley. that was nice to see because again that's a shot that we saw certainly at times last year and then really abandoned him especially in the playoffs and then the next possession similar type of play he got it and essentially worked Plumley, kind of backed him down um had a couple pivots and and ended up dumping a, a little righty hook over him from you know very close i mean i'll call it four or five feet very close in hook shot and it's just a shot for whatever reason he he has just never really worked to consistently develop and obviously all of you that listen to us regularly have sort of bemoaned this for years that that you know and I specifically complain 
about Giannis not shooting enough sort of just short righty hooks. And then a few minutes later, he took another one of those. He was on the left block. And when I saw him get the ball there, my first thought was, okay, he's, he's feeling himself. You know, he's got 20 plus points in the first half. He's going to shoot one of those vanity shots, you know, the, the baseline turnaround fadeaway from that side, which we've seen him go to a fair bit over the past couple of years. But he didn't do that. He actually drove middle, and I think Sekou Domboya was guarding him. And he just two-foot, you know, jump stop in the paint and went over top of him with, uh, call it a, you know, an eight-foot or so little righty hook and just dumped it on the front of the rim, and it, and it went in. And, again, nothing especially crazy about having that shot in your arsenal. It, it should be a shot that he has. But it's just been a, a play that he has not looked for uh, early in the season. And, and uh, I, I just think it's such a obvious thing for him to have that I really hope we see more of it. Uh, and even if you go back to that Chicago game, there was one player that jumped out. I mean, he, he, he had a couple of those where Patrick Williams was guarding him and, and Williams is about six, eight and he's a rookie, you know? So yeah, I thought Giannis kind of maybe played a little small at times against Williams. Didn't maybe show his, his size and strength as much as he could, but he did get a couple of those little sort of short jump hook type type buckets to go down. But there was one play in the first half on Friday where he drove on Zach Levine it was from the left block. He drove middle to his right. So he should be able to, again, jump stop, go up with a righty hook. And he, he kind of corkscrewed himself into this like weird, like one footed sort of half jump shot thing that like, I don't know if you know, I can't remember if it was like block, but it was just this like ugly, really unnatural looking play. I remember just seeing, I was like, man, Giannis, and he wasn't playing well in that first half again. Just like, man, Giannis, why can you not just shoot a damn righty hook shot? And so today it was, again, refreshing. You know, these are the small things we look for. It was refreshing to see him go to, to that shot a couple times uh, in the midst of a game where he was obviously getting a lot of layups and, and doing very sort of typical Giannis things. But to see him score in those ways, and again, nothing crazy, super high level, but just adding a little bit of variety. And when he does that, obviously it's just extremely difficult to stop him. Yeah. Just to go back to Mason Pomley for a second, I think pylon was a pretty good way to describe him. There was one play. I don't know if you remember this one, Frank, there was one play where Mason Pomley kind of, I swear if you zoom in, Pomley must've had his eyes closed. He just had his hands straight up in the air and just stood still. And Giannis was like, all right, I'm just going to step around you and lay this in. He didn't even dunk it. Yeah. He laid it in. He went to his left, right? He went to his left yeah. and then finished with his right. Yeah. yeah. I was like, is his eyes even open? I honestly think, remember that a video of Thon Maker uh, practicing against chairs? I don't, I think the chair defending Thumb Maker would have done would have uh, put up more of a fight than Mason Plumley on some of those possessions today. But uh, Giannis spoke about this a little bit um, in terms of posting up, getting into the mid range, getting to his spots. And uh, I think it was Eric Name that asked him this question and said, "What's the difference in your mindset when you go uh, baseline in the post as opposed to?" Uh, to the middle and because I think a a lot of times we've spoke about how you can get him to the middle and I think that's what's interesting about the play you were talking about where he basically received the ball turned around and shot it really without hesitation it wasn't a move as such where you can get number of bodies to him try and double team him and he said well when I turn baseline uh, I'm I'm thinking about scoring normally when I go to the middle I'm thinking pass first and then he sort of explained, yeah. well, I'm thinking that because there's normally so many bodies in there that it's really difficult for me to do anything else. And I, that's why I wonder, you know, tonight he was able to do that. And that one sort of push shot slash hook shot, I think it was Sadiq 
Bay that was actually defending him, the rookie. Yeah. I didn't think the Pistons That's were right. too. I, I didn't think the Pistons were too... <laughs> I didn't think their health defense was great when it came to Giannis. There was a lot of guys that were put out in an island there. And Dwayne Casey spoke before game about before the game about how uh, fearful they were of the Bucks' three-point shooting. So I just think there was some mixed messages there. But certainly, those types of things, every time you see them, they feel noteworthy because, again, we've spoken about the three-point shot. And look, he got up six tonight. Uh, but again... Those shots are always going to be there. They're not necessarily going to open up anything for him moving forward. Whereas that little push shot slash hook shot or the turnaround, which he actually has shot a decent percentage on. If you look up the numbers, that mid, mid-range turnaround has been pretty good for him. And I think it's because of the, the reason you pointed out, Frank, that he doesn't have to put a lot of power into it. It's just a, a fluid motion. It actually looks pretty smooth in comparison to the rest of his uh, jump shots. Yeah, I, I think, and it's easier to see it when he's going middle just because you, the angle of the camera lets you mm-hmm. sort of see the release point. Um, but it, it's, it, it, he shoots it, I mean, he shoots it differently than he does a normal jump shot, right? Because he's, he is bringing the ball up higher for the release point and he's not, obviously, he's not very far from the basket. So he doesn't need to, you know, put a, a lot of power behind it to, to get it there. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's just a nice little shot, high release point. Um, I, th- I saw someone, I think it was uh, on opening night, somebody joked that, you know, saying, well, when did Giannis get this like Rashid Wallace little <laughs> turnaround or whatever? Because um, that's obviously a very, uh, a very, a very good, uh, if, if you, you know, Rashid obviously had that really high release point that was difficult to block. So, so that, that's definitely the kind of thing that, that I, I would love to see more of. And, um, you know, we, we've talked about there were Bucks have had a few games where their two point percentage has been flipped from what we're used to seeing where they're, they were at a, a major deficit and tonight, you know, 69% on two pointers versus 45% for Detroit. Again, that's, that's much more of what we're used to seeing from the Bucks where they really dominate inside the arc. And then, you know, the, the three point percentages, uh, can be what they can, can sort of be what they're going to be. And as long as they do what they can do inside the arc and take away, um, you know, where you, what, what the opposition's trying to do in the paint and they get to where they want to be with Giannis and the rest of those guys inside the arc, then, then generally, you know, they're going to, they're going to be on the, on the right end of the a box score um, uh, when all is said and done. So, um, so yeah, you know, it, we'll see, hopefully this is um, uh, the kind of game that, you know, maybe Giannis gets a little confidence from and, he starts to do some of those things more, but hey, whatever. It's not like we've never seen Giannis take a jump hook before. Um, it, it's always just, does he continue? Does he consistently go to something, develop something, or is it just something that we see a few times and then he reverts back to to not doing that, right? Um, so we'll be interesting. And also, I think interesting just to see uh, in the second game how differently maybe the the Pistons look and. Uh, not in, in, you know, not that that Jeremy Grant was the the Giannis stopper tonight when he was in, but he picked up two two quick fouls and went to the bench. And you know, uh, obviously, you look at who who the Pistons have. Uh, you know, we, we talked about Mason Plumley. Let's just say you know Sadiq Bay, Seiko Demboya. I mean, those guys are, are not going to be able to do any better than certainly Jeremy Grant defending Giannis. So. Um, I think certainly that that probably also helped Giannis maybe get on track a little bit, but uh, obviously with game another game coming up against the Pistons, uh, no Blake Griffin tonight. I don't know that that really hurts 
the Pistons, to be honest. Um, I, I have not really seen them with Blake Griffin. I have not heard good things about how Blake Griffin is looking these days. So um, I think that'll be an interesting thing just to see, presumably, if, if Blake is back after resting on the back-to-back tonight, uh, what what that means for their look. Because uh, certainly the, the Pistons suddenly get very big when they play Blake with Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee all at the same time. But I, I, don't, I don't know that they get better, but they certainly get bigger. All right, let's talk about rockauto.com. We haven't done this for a while, but rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online. They've been doing that for 20 plus years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers like me. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box and they'll know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com East meets West in Locked On NBA Tuesdays. Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors, and David Rammel, host of Locked On Heat, tackle the biggest NBA stories of the day, coast to coast. Subscribe to Locked On NBA podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If I was a Pistons fan at this point, I know they lost tonight, but would I rather watch Blake Griffin play or Sadiq Bey or Seku Dumboya? I mean, I think it's pretty simple at this point. Like you said, I haven't exactly been watching the Pistons closely, but I've seen bits and pieces. And, uh, you know, it's kind of sad. But, I mean, it's not the Blake Griffin uh, we knew from uh, six, seven years ago playing for the Clippers anyway. Let's talk about DiVincenzo, though, because I don't think we've really actually mentioned his name too much tonight. And uh, to the surprise of no one, uh, DiVincenzo wasn't able to keep his 70% or near on 70% three-point shooting going every single game this season. Uh, He was one for six from three tonight, but he did have an equal career high nine assists. And I think that this is interesting. It's at least good to see that um, he's not going to have to heavily rely on hitting almost all of his three-point shots to have an impact offensively. The nine assists, I think, was notable tonight. In particular, he had a couple of really nice plays. I mean, we can talk all season long, and we probably will talk all season long about his development scoring within the arc, and not necessarily from the mid-range, but particularly at the room where he has had some struggles at times. And there was a few plays tonight where he got there. Perhaps on other occasions, we've seen him try and flip up a shot, high off the glass, tough finish, even sometimes just some open layups that he should finish that he struggled with. But one play in particular stands out tonight on Derek Rose, who, uh, let's be honest, Derek Rose wasn't keeping too many people in front of him uh, tonight on the defensive end. But uh, DiVincenzo was able to blow by him, cross him up a little bit, get into the paint where he could have had a layup and then threw a little no look to the left corner to DJ Augustine, who knocked it down. But there was a couple uh, passes again tonight that really stood out. And I asked uh, Drew Holiday post-game about Dante, and he said, yeah, I mean, I think he's actually kind of an underrated playmaker slash passer. I, 
we, we haven't seen it on a consistent basis yet, but Drew certainly said that it's been kind of surprising to him. He knew he was an athlete. He knew he could shoot the three a little bit, but that aspect of his game has been something that's surprised him a little bit, which again, I think those two are starting to form a little bit of chemistry because we know that Drew Holiday has no problem playing off ball. So if DiVincenzo turns into that uh, a guy that can create a little bit in the half court, I don't want to set the bar too high here. It's going to be interesting, but tonight was at least fun. Uh, to see him dish and, and have the nine assists. Well, I, I think one of the, to me, the legacy of, of the kind of title-winning Warriors teams, everybody always talks about the shooting, but I think the way that they had guys who could, who could dribble and pass and, and screen in some cases too, when you think about mm-hmm. all the guys that, that played there, right? Um, obviously, Draymond, not a shooter, but a really good passer, playmaker, um, especially for, for his position. And, you know, look at the bigs that they had, right? Andrew Bogut, Zaza Pachulia. Well, how do you, you know, have these great offenses with guys that, that can't shoot? Oh, it's, you know, like we're in the era of, of big men shooting. Well, they're really good screeners and passers, and that facilitates spacing and, and good offense uh, and, and, you know, that high basketball IQ that, that those, guys, those guys brought. And I think when you look at this, this Buck starting five, obviously they don't have, a, you know, a Bogut or, or Pachulia type guy. But when you think about the skill sets that the guys have that they're starting this year, especially compared to last year, just swapping in Dante for, for Wes Matthews, obviously Wes can, you know, I don't, I don't know that, that there's a, uh, for whatever Dante is shooting right now, I don't know that you'd say that Dante is a, you know, a better shooter than, than Wes Matthews. Certainly career, uh, Wes Matthews is a more accomplished shooter than, than Dante. That said, uh, you know, you think about dribbling and passing, and those skill sets and what those things mean for an offense and the ability to be versatile uh, across, you know, four or five guys, maybe, maybe Brooke obviously isn't, isn't out there dribbling and, and passing uh, <laughs> at, at a really high level, but having four guys who on any given possession can, can knife to the basket, make a, a, a challenging pass or maybe not an elite pass, but a, a, a good pass to create an easy shot for, for a teammate with Dante, you do have that ability. Uh, obviously drew Chris Giannis, we know they have those abilities. Uh, so I, I think it's a, a fun thing to kind of throw Dante into the mix and, you know, it's, it's just that thing. How many, how many guys can you put on the floor that, that can dribble, shoot and pass? Uh, the shooting part obviously has been the challenge for Dante. He's doing that consistently. He's notably, everybody's been noticing that, but tonight, you know, his, his streak of double-digit scoring games comes to an end as he had a bad shooting game, but he ends up having the, the big assist night and made a couple other plays that, that obviously were, were kind of fun, had a nice block, um, and I think, you know, was was uh, maybe a little bit better defensively than, than he's had some, some struggles games, especially against Miami. I thought he struggled a lot. But, uh, but so certainly Dante, uh, to the extent he can impact games without – hitting a bunch of threes or scoring a bunch of points, that's obviously only going to be a positive thing. And I think speaks to his development. And um, I would say though, uh, I, I laughed out loud. I think it was in the third quarter. He drove to the basket and he didn't really seem to know what to do. And so he looked like he was trying to shoot like a really high, like he was going to shoot a high, like layup off the glass or something from, 10 feet out. I don't know. It was like a floater range, but he was kind of doing something and it ended up going over the backboard, but it was, I guess, 
deflected or something. I, it was just, it was just, <laughs> I was, I, I was hoping somebody would gif it or take a video of it or something. Cause it was, just a, it, was it was sort of the, uh, you know, for all the jokes about Dante's finishing ability, that was the, the joke, the, the, you know, uh, play that, that kind of reminded us of his, uh, wildness and unpredictability as a as a finisher, and again, I don't even know what he was really trying to do. But all I know is it looked like he was going for a layup, and he shot it over, and it went, ended up going over the backboard. So, uh, yeah, there's there's still work to do, obviously. There, um, he did finish an alley oop, uh, didn't dunk it, but he did finish a nice little fast break alley oop <laughs> from from Drew Holiday. But uh, certainly, Dante adds a, a layer of unpredictability, and and oftentimes that is good. Occasionally, that though is is maybe uh, something we'd like him to work on. Uh, so just a couple other notes, I guess, from this game before we wrap it up. Uh, we weren't sure what was going to happen. Pat Connaughton uh, with his groin strain that but seemed to hint that he might be out for a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure how serious that's going to be, but I certainly wouldn't be expecting him to play against the Pistons in two days' time uh, anyway there. But the Bucks do have... Uh, they're basically playing every other day on this homestand. They've got the Pistons one night off, then the Pistons, and one night off, then the Jazz uh, as they stay at home here. But with the rotation with Tory Craig also out, we were curious to see whether we'd see Jordan Wara. He did come in. Uh, I wouldn't say <laughs> I wouldn't say Jordan Wara let the uh, lit the world on fire there. He had a nice finish and a layup on a pass from Giannis, I believe that was. But it was a nice little reverse finish there. But outside of that. Uh, nothing too crazy. It's certainly a different situation for him when he's coming in in the second quarter and playing with the starters rather than uh, just being out there up 35 and being able to just shoot threes. Uh, and Thanasis only played five minutes uh, there as well. So Bud essentially went with eight guys with Portis, Forbes and Augustine uh, off the bench and they all finished in double-digit scoring, which was nice to see. Uh, Thanasis, I'm telling you, there's no one in the league that is that fist pumps more than this guy. He drew an off-ball foul on uh, I think it might have been Dumboyar, and he just started pumping his fist like he was pumped, like he like he just uh, hit a game winner, and there was another one where an offensive foul was called, and it wasn't even on him, and he was just pumping his fist. He's just intense all the time, and I tweeted that out. The one thing I don't understand is why are people so negative, Frank? All I did was say that Tenassus might be the most intense player in the league, and then you get all these accounts. Most of them that don't have a name to them and they're just like, yeah, but he can't play. He's got zero skill. Might be the worst player in the league. And it's like, why do we have to talk about uh, Bucks players like that? It's just a, it's an encouraging tweet. I find the guy entertaining <laughs> to see him on the bench. I don't expect he's going to be playing in the playoffs. Why do people have to be like that? Yeah, I have to say the Thanasis being the uh first power forward off the bench <laughs> or to start the year. And I'm obviously I'm, I'm calling Bobby Portis a center in this regard. Cause Bobby usually comes in for, for Brooke to start, but uh, yeah, Thanasis suddenly becoming the backup power forward was not something I was really expecting. Um, you know, I, I think we kind of, uh, I don't know, I, semi jokingly, but semi not jokingly kind of discussed during the Giannis extension stuff. <laughs> how much are they talking about yeah, about the Nassus in some of those conversations, um, whether it's another contract next year or, or his role on the team? Um, I, I mean, I would not put it past Giannis to, and, and his agent to perhaps ask about that uh, during some of those discussions about whether the Nassus would be given a chance and how, he's, how Bud perceives him and, and his potential role. Um, and it's and it's funny, right? Because it's like, look, I acknowledge if 
if not for his last name, there's, there's no way Thanasis is on this team, obviously. Yes. Right. I think we, we, everybody can acknowledge that. Um, that said, for a guy who obviously uh, has uh, probably would not, you know, does, does not have a, a long NBA career ahead of him. Um, yeah, and, and who, who has a brother who has the biggest contract in NBA history. He's a guy who works his ass off. You know, there, you don't have to worry about him putting an honest, honest shift. Right. And so to the extent that, I mean, we don't know what's happening in practice or anything like that. We don't know what DJ Wilson's doing in practice or in the weight room. You know, we don't know. Right. I, I can't tell you, the, the background on it. Uh, but there, I think, I think there is something fun about the NASA's getting a chance. And of course, has he been wowing us with, you know, his exceptional play and all this? No, but um, you know, it's not like he's, he's been a disaster. Uh, he's been fine. He's playing limited minutes. Um, and it, it is fun. I mean, he's a guy, it's, it's easier to root for him, especially if obviously if you love Giannis and the bucks, it's fun to see him come out. And, and obviously the fact that he's been able to make some plays, uh, has, has been fun. And so of course I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. Um, I don't know that I'm, you know, rooting for him to play real minutes in the playoffs because I don't, I'm not convinced that that is in the best interest of the team, but, uh, to the extent if, if Bud can find a way to, to steal minutes for him, look, whatever. Um, I, I would also like to see DJ Wilson get a chance and see what they have with him as well. So I'm a little curious kind of what the longer term shakeout is going to be of, of this stuff. You know, it's been now about a week since we really saw DJ Wilson play any, any type of meaningful minutes, but seasons long. Uh, I think obviously, you know, the lack of depth the bucks have up front means there's going to be probably opportunities for, for all these guys to, to have shots at, at minutes. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll just try to enjoy the NASA's for what he is and, you know, hope that, that they can steal minutes with him and, um, you know, we'll kind of, I guess, sort of have to see what, what happens with it. Uh, Cause certainly uh, not something I was expecting to see, but uh, obviously we've, we've talked all, all preseason and uh, short off season, how the Bucks depth was going to be a challenge. And um, you know, if, if the NASA's can legitimately learn minutes with how he practices and do all that stuff, and then hopefully hold his own during, during games. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for the guy and, um, I'm, I'm not going to take any, any joy in saying that, you know, he, he's not skilled or he, he shouldn't play or whatever. Right. I, I'm obviously rooting for all these guys to, to do well because, because they're bucks. Yeah. And he played five minutes and, uh, I think it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and he I barely think, played tonight. Yeah. He barely played. And I think it's a good, uh, uh, good, uh, thought that you mentioned DJ Wilson because geez, I mean, I, I kind of forgot about him until in the fourth quarter, I seen him sitting on the bench still in his warmups. And I was thinking, my goodness, I don't know what this guy does in practice, but it's not looking good for him right now. If he couldn't even get on the floor, uh, in this game with the guys that were out, I, I don't know what to think about DJ anymore, but uh, I don't, I don't know. Are you, are you, going to uh, be ready to buckle up for another Bucks pistons game in, in two days' time. I, I guess this is downside. If you want to see uh, the Bucks playing contending teams and exciting basketball, these back-to-backs maybe sometimes might be a little bit flat. But, hey, if the Bucks win three in a row, I'm sure we'll be uh, all happy about that before they do play Utah. And uh, most importantly, I was just glad to see you back. How was the drive? It was safe. I, I, I saw your Instagram photo. You took off and I was looking... A little bit snowy, which obviously brings back yeah. bad memories for me. I was, uh, I haven't slept the last two days. Well, the, you know, the, the downside of, of driving 20 hours on the last two days of your, uh, 
Christmas break is, you know, it's, it's kind of a depressing way to use your, the last remnants of your vacation. But uh, at least we were going from cold weather to warm weather. So mm-hmm. I, I could wear shorts to take my dog out last night. Uh, and it was 70, 72 degrees today in Texas. So that, that was, that was, uh, there were worse things in life. Um, so, so yeah, and no, no real complaints. Sad, sad that my Wisconsin adventure is over. I had, I had four trips to Rockies in my, uh, let's see, how long was I home? Like 10 or 11 days, four trips to Rockies. So, uh, I, I, I put on five pounds over, over the 10 days, which to be honest, I was kind of pleased with. Um, so now <laughs> I guess I gotta, I guess I gotta see if I can lose my Rockies, my Rockies weight. Uh, <laughs> not that I'm, I'm far away from, uh, from, from that. I also got, I got a cops trip into, so my diet was not great. Let's, let's just say that my, my diet was, was, uh, very much the holiday, uh, holiday gluttony diet. Uh, but you know, if you go to Wisconsin once in the last year, you gotta, you gotta get your money's worth. I feel like so. Was uh was pretty happy with that, and I I, br- I brought back a bunch of Rocky sauce too. So of course. my wife makes makes good pizza here, so we'll we'll at least get the Rocky sauce going. But um, well, only the only thing I would add is you mentioned Nora. Um, really, Giannis had a terrific pass at the end of the third quarter to find him. Kind of Giannis going down with the clock winding down. Mm-hmm. Norris cuts in from the 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 corner, and and Giannis was sort of dribbling towards that corner, and then Nora back cut and. Giannis had a great pass to find him for first land. Uh, he, he, Giannis, you could tell Giannis was, was dribbling down court and you could tell, you I mean, he does, he does, Brooke is the guy he does this the most with, but where he kind of dribbles up, you know, he's going to turn around and, and just like lay it off to him for, for an, an open three. And, um, you know, Nora unfortunately had that one rim in and out. That was, you know, a really good look at the three. And then, um, you know, he did have that one basket, but, but had a couple turnovers, including one where he was, he had Giannis right, right in his vicinity. I was waiting for him to drop it off in that sort of semi-transition to let Giannis kind of finish the business. But Nora ended up make, taking a clear extra step for a travel. And, um, you know, let's just say this. You see, you see these kind of minutes or you see, you know, Sam Merrill the other night and you're reminded, hey, okay, you know, rookies, you throw them in the fire. Yeah, there's a reason that coaches are often <laughs> not, not, you know, desperate to do so. And, but that's part of the process, obviously. And as we've been saying, the lack of depth means that, that these young guys will get chances and uh, it may be a learning process at times, but you just hope that they learn quickly. And as you mentioned, if Connaughton's out here for a little bit of extended period, Craig's obviously out for, for a little while. Um, and hopefully some of these games will, will not be super competitive, let's just say. Hopefully that means that, that Jordan Nora will, will get a chance to, to get some run and hopefully get get his footing a little bit because it's obviously different playing with Giannis and, and true holiday chris middleton it's a very different uh thing than than being out there with you know the garbage time unit uh, when the only thing that matters is whether or not you're going to set an nba record for threes or whatever right you're going to take different shots with that group than you are with the mvp and and another two all-stars on the floor and you got to be i think more selective about it so um so learning experience uh, certainly did not set the world on fire tonight, but um, certainly if if we continue to see some of these injuries, again, won't be the last time that that Jordan Warrell gets a chance and you just hope that that he continues to get better. Yeah, now's the time to do it. Now's the time to work through those kinks anyway. So uh, it was fun to see him get in in second quarter, but like I said, uh, Bucks will be back on, uh, that must be Wednesday night, 
they'll face the Pistons again at Fireserve Forum. I think they're undefeated in the blue jerseys so far, which is which is kind of interesting. We'll keep we'll keep track of that through the season. Uh, we'll be back. By tomorrow. the way, I'm I'm for the record, I'm not a fan of the blue jerseys. <laughs> I, I still get confused. I still get confused when at the, when the games start. I still get confused that the Bucks are the team in blue. Mentally, it takes me a few possessions for my team to for my brain to sort of orient that the Bucks are actually wearing a blue jersey. I don't mind the Bucks wearing a blue jersey. I don't. The thing I don't really like about it, I don't like the the little. I know. I know the whole idea is that it's like water in the waves, and you know that that um, curved line, you know, dividing the 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 the, the different blues. I don't know. I just I don't love it. The players look fine in them. Uh, if I, I don't, I don't buy jerseys. I, if I were going to buy a jersey, I definitely wouldn't buy that one. But uh, I respect the attempt to make a blue jersey at least. Uh, so it, it is what it is. Not a big deal. I'm 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 closer to you uh, than than many as far as not getting bent out of shape about jerseys. But I figure I don't think I'd off, offered my opinion on the blue jersey. So uh, yeah, don't love them. Uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, Hopefully they keep winning in them though. In them though, I'm I'm happy with them to be winning in the blue jerseys, but uh, I'm still partial to the to the to the normal home whites and and road greens. Well, that blue jersey rant came in at about 43 minutes shorter than uh, David Dunn's <laughs> podcast about a month ago or whenever that was. So uh, much can respect. I, can for I that. Ever, I, d- <laughs> well, let, let me let me respond to that because I I sort of. Uh, flamed flamed him uh, with a tweet uh sort of <laughs> complaining about about his his uh his complaints um so here's here's my general thing on, on jerseys you know part of his thing was was well the bucks don't have like, the bucks don't have like an identity or something like when people people don't know what the bucks jerseys color is supposed to be i first off i don't i don't believe that that to, do real nba fans not associate the bucks with green I, I I realized they wore purple for you know a, a long period in the '90s, right? That was my bread and butter as a kid growing up with the Bucks. But I I think the Bucks have a pretty strong association with the color green. And, and again, green and cream. Do people associate the cream specifically with them? I, I don't know. Hardcore but hardcore NBA fans probably do. Random people probably don't. But look. They have a good color. Their, their base color scheme, I think, is really good. I think people generally really like it. And, you know, uh, Ben, a.k.a. David Dunn, a.k.a. Elijah Price, just because he doesn't like a color, like, like it doesn't mean that that is a more valid opinion than I think the majority of Bucks fans liking, I believe, the green colors. Now, again, I actually tend to agree with them on, on the actual blue jerseys in the sense that I don't really, I don't like them myself per se. Uh, who knows? I don't, I think, I don't know how much they're going to sell these. And ultimately I think that's obviously a lot of this was comes down to is, Hey, it's a new thing. Can they get Jersey sales, make some money off it, especially right now with, with revenues from game day being non-existent. And the other thing too, is like if every team is wearing these, pretty much every team is wearing colors that are not their primary Jersey colors. That's the whole point of these, city edition and the earned editions that that may or may not be coming out this year the the whole point of these jerseys is that they don't look like your normal jerseys you know and so again you know the i don't i actually don't really like the, the whole miami the, the vice edition jerseys that, that they've done the different versions of i actually don't really like those everybody else seems to love them does is it 
horribly bankrupting the brand of the of the Miami Heat that they have a, a pink jersey when pink is not in their normal color scheme or something? No, because people like the color. People like the look. It's fine, right? It doesn't, like, you don't have to wear the same colors all the time. Uh, and that's what the NBA is doing. They're just giving you different options, weird colors. And I think part of the reason I don't care is because as a fan of European soccer, I'm just used to every year that teams change their jerseys so they can sell more jerseys. And usually you have, you know, your main colors that you have one, at least one jersey of, it's the same every year. And then you have some random colors that you try out and you do different things to be interesting and do some different stuff and just to sell. Cause who knows? Hey, maybe some people like, you know, like, like I'm a big Barcelona fan. Okay. This year they have a pink Jersey. Is pink a Barcelona color? No, but maybe some people like a pink Jersey, right? <laughs> the people buying Miami heat vice jerseys might like that too. Right. Well, okay. And then the next year it might be orange. Okay. And the next year it might be something else. So whatever, they're just jerseys. It's just, capitalism is just trying to sell stuff appeal to different people and get them to buy a new thing every year and i think that's totally fine to be honest it's 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 all good um and if you don't like them what are you going to do not watch the bucks because you don't love their alternate jerseys like no that doesn't <laughs> you're still going to watch you may not buy the jersey but uh it doesn't mean you can't watch so anyway i i uh, that that that's i i don't know i i i, I think i might have had some other uh points to, to sort of rebut, uh, uh, his, his views on things, but, you know, uh, again, for me, I think the bucks have a good base color scheme. I think they've had some, some of their alternate jerseys, I think have been pretty good. Uh, but especially the alternate jerseys to me, those are just, you know, you're just trying to throw different things, see if people like them, sell some, sell, sell more jerseys every year and then come out with some different looks and whatever. So I don't love the blue jerseys, but it doesn't really matter. It's fine. I don't have a response. I don't care enough to have a response, but that all makes sense to me. Uh, whatever color they're wearing, they're four and three, regardless of whatever color they've worn so far this season. And that's all that really matters to me. Uh, like I said, Pistons again in a couple of days. Frank, uh, that seems like a good good place to leave it. Yeah, 43 points for Giannis. He's up to 26 and change. So uh, we're, still, we're still underwater on our over-under. So he's going to need to come out and put up another 43 uh to uh to try to get back to where where he needs to be to get make us make us look smart on taking the over on 29 and a half points per game this year all right for frank for me we'll be back tomorrow and then the bucks will have the pistons again in a couple days stay safe we'll speak to you guys then